Jamie, I I was not <laughs> expecting two awesome out of the out of the box questions answers. Can you imagine what the next fifty five minutes is going to be like? <laughs> I can't. I, I I'm I love it. I'm I'm Alex Del Sordo. I'm Alex Del Sordo. I'm Alex Del Sordo, and we have we have just Eddie. It's Teddy Sauer. Needed to France. Eric Marie. It's Mahi Drysdale. It is Sir Matthew Vincent. Thank you for being here. I'm Alex Del Sordo with Rowers Choice. This is another round of podcast interviews, and I have a coach. Oh boy, do I have a coach! He's been around a long time. He's old. Not, I mean, he's old. He's old. He's been around for a long time. But this guy has quite a history, and he's with a program right now that ten years ago you didn't even know existed. Let's be honest; you didn't know they existed, and now they do, and now they're finding speed. This is Jamie Francis, head coach of Stetson for both men and women and we're going to get into a lot of that and the, the struggles and the responsibilities it takes to run a college program at that level but jamie thanks for being here absolutely thanks and uh hopefully the gray and the beard doesn't isn't reason to call me old but i i appreciate the intro <laughs> yeah you know hey listen we're going to get into your age in a little bit but i do the same thing i start every single one the same way how old were you where were you when you took that first rowing stroke I was a junior in high school. Uh, that would make me 16-ish. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started off in high school playing, so I played soccer all as a, as a youth. Uh, played soccer freshman year of high school. Uh, did not make the JV team as a sophomore. Mm. Uh, tried out for volleyball, because that was a thing. Uh, I'm relatively tall. Uh, volleyball didn't work out for me. Um, and I found rowing because there was a young lady in a couple of my classes who rowed and I wanted to uh, figure out a way to talk to her. So I went and joined the rowing team. Hold and- on, hold on, Jamie, hold on, hold on. <laughs> you just, you, you, you got me lit up here for a second. One, you're 16, hilarious. Two, you want to talk to a chick, right? You want to talk to a girl. I want to go talk never, to this girl. I would never call her a chick. <laughs> I did, not me. But you wanted to talk to a woman. And you're like, hey, I know she rose. I better go. This is my way in. This is my way in. That is awesome. Where were you, though? So I don't know a whole lot of teams, high school programs that have volleyball. So where were you? Yeah, I rode at Lake Brantley High School in Altamont Springs, Florida here. So Boy, once 30, a Florida boy, minutes. always. Once a Florida boy, always a Florida boy. Yeah, I, I left for a bit, but came back. But <laughs> that uh, is awesome. All right, um, I really appreciate that. So you wanted to meet, you wanted to meet a girl. You find the team Lake Brantley. So what year is this? What year? I'm gonna say '92. When was that program started? That program, I didn't know it at the time, but it was a brand new program. It was, I think, it was. I think it started in 87, 88, somewhere around there. Rowing, so rowing is so such a funny thing in Florida, right? Like it's yeah. it's getting bigger, it's getting bigger. But like 92, I mean, you must have been a tiny squad. Really not not much going on down there. Yeah, I I learned to row in a in an old wooden show and broad that was named the salad bar because there here's why it was named the salad bar team bought the boat from a restaurant who had been packing the boat with ice every day and using it as a salad bar no lie no lie i learned to row in what used to food serve food yeah yeah jamie i i was not (laughs) expecting two awesome out of the out of the box questions answers i mean you wanted to meet a woman and you wrote in a salad bar can you imagine what the next 55 minutes is going to be like (laughs) i can't i I, i'm i love it i'm i'm going all over the place here so 92 lake brantley new program was there any success down there were you winning some races like were you guys no no i would say when i would say my senior year there was there was a a girl's boat, probably the girl's varsity eight, maybe it was the JV eight who had some success at States. Uh, but no, we didn't, we didn't go anywhere. We, we stayed in Florida. I didn't, I never left the state of Florida until I got to college. 
So it was, wow. we didn't go anywhere yeah. doing We just so went we, locally. I started rowing in 99 and Winter Park had a freshman class men that were so good, right? And that's it, it, not that much difference, right? That's about five, six years of, of you know, Florida and finding some speed there. And, and, and they became a nationally competitive program, what seemed to be overnight. I mean, it, it, no one knew. And then all of a sudden, here comes these tan young men and women crushing everybody in the Northeast. Uh, but you said something. You said you didn't leave the state. Where did you go to college? I went to UCF, Central Florida, in Orlando. Just like down the street. Yeah, down the street. I lived at home for my first two years of college and drove, I left very early to get to practice because I lived about an hour away from campus. So I left very early to go to practice in the morning and then would practice and then go to, go to class and then go to work and then go home and try to get some homework done and then do it all over. Dude, talk about work ethic. You had, uh, you were a club rower at UCF yep. classes. And then what was your day job at 19 years old? Uh, I worked at Best Buy. I worked in the uh, electronics department at Best Buy in Altamont Springs. So it was kind of like I would drive from campus to work, uh, had a closing shift, which was terrible. So I usually got off work about 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. And then I'd go home and try to get some homework done and then do it all over again. I mean, what I would not movie. recommend, I would not recommend trying to get through college on three to four hours of sleep a night. It was not a good, good thing. Now, how about, how about some success at UCF? I mean, as a club sport, uh, I think we said off camera that you saw the women's team become a varsity sport, right? So this is late nineties. This is, you know, now we're picking up some steam. NCAA is really building. Yep. Um, any success at UCF at the club level? Um, I got on an airplane for the first time ever to go to the head of the Charles in a four. Hell um, yeah. We didn't really do well, but we braced it. <laughs> it was a great experience. I, um, oh, dude, I really appreciate, I appreciate your honesty, by the way. Like, <laughs> I love that. I mean, I would love to, to think back at how, how great we were and how well we did, but you can't lie about those results anymore because you can just look them up online. Um, so, <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, on the on the men's side, we as a we had nine. We had nine. My freshman year, we had nine rowers on the varsity team, and then we had a novice squad. And the the varsity team rode in the morning, and the novice squad rode in the afternoon. And I was the ninth guy as a freshman, and. Wow. Uh, to the point where the coach pulled me aside and said, Hey, you think maybe you could start coming to the novice practices in the afternoons? And I was like, no, dude, I can't. I got, I've got a class schedule that I've already built out and then I have to go to work. And so I can come to practice in the mornings and then that's pretty much it. And then some period of time later, a week, a month, I don't know, one of the other guys quit. And so I was now the eighth guy instead of the ninth guy. And I just busted my tail just to prove I was supposed to be there because I was one of two freshmen and the other freshman came from Winter Park, actually. Um, and so he was much more of a stud than I was. And I just, I just needed to prove that I was supposed to be there every day. So, so, so as a club sport, this is like, you had to pay to row there. Is that yeah. accurate? Yes. I mean, you must've really loved rowing quickly for you to want to pay to row and be the ninth guy. I mean, that, that says a lot about your character. Um, I think rowing was one of those things that I, I fell in love with it after the first race as a novice fell in love with it. Um, and it, it's, it's a weird thing. It's one of these these activities where, you know, pretty quick, whether you're, whether you're in it or you're out of it. And if you're in it, most people fall pretty hard for it. And, uh, yeah, I was, I was committed. I didn't, I, I was also I think back then college people were much less farsighted than they are now. Like kids now, they got their lives planned out. They got everything like they, here's my, here's my 10 step plan to become a doctor or whatever it is. Um, including some of my own kids. Some of my own kids are like that. And I'm like, whose child are you? You know? Um, but for me in college, I was just, I'd, I'd get a degree, but I spent more time thinking about, rowing maybe too much time thinking about rowing 
instead of schoolwork. And uh, yeah, I just, it was, it was one of those things. I just wanted to see what I could do. Cause I came from a, again, I didn't, I didn't know what I didn't know. I came from a program that was brand new and didn't really do a whole lot. And then went to a small club team with some guys who came from the program I was at, at Lake Brantley. And it was just kind of, let's just see what we can go do. So, you know, you're, you're, you're a professional rowing coach. You, you can't study that in college and you're working at Best Buy, you're hustling. Like what, what was your major? And did you realize you wanted to coach rowing at the collegiate level? So I started off electrical engineering. Uh, Calculus three convinced me that I should not pursue electrical engineering. Um, So it was obviously a quick transition to marketing. So I I graduated with a marketing degree, not a lot of uh, carryover from electrical engineering to marketing. Um, So- Hold on, I'm sorry to interrupt, Jamie, 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 Jamie. (laughs) Like you, that's a really far difference. Like I was expecting you to say something not marketing related. You know, right. I don't know a whole lot of electrical engineers that are really savvy on their feet, that know how to sling it, that know how to sell something. And now you're going into marketing. Yeah, man. That's a wild transition. I liked watching commercials on television. <laughs> okay. do, you, do you remember when we used to watch the television and there were commercials? Now you just watch Netflix, there are no commercials. Oh. Or, you, or you YouTube it, or you you can zip through the. I'm skip. I'm skipping that. I'm skipping that. I mean, I look, dude. I I grew up. We're watching Friday nights. We're watching The Simpsons, and we're glued to the television. My whole family. So we yeah. loved commercials. I get it. All right. So your marketing degree at UCF, and you don't. Is that when you realize you want to coach crew? No. 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 <laughs> All right. Now so, carry me on. I want to know. Like, right. I want the path. Where are we going? So. As a marketing major at UCF, I ended up meeting the woman who would eventually become my wife. Um, She was a year behind, well, she started off a year behind me in school. She graduated a year before I did because I went from electrical engineering to marketing. Um, But it wasn't until she and I were, I had already graduated. We were engaged to be married. I uh, had was working in the marketing department of a home builder in the Orlando area and they pulled out of the Orlando market. So I got laid off. So I was engaged to be married, unemployed, looking for something to do. And so my wife and her infinite wisdom said, what do you want to do? And I told her, I said, I've always thought it'd be cool to be a high school math teacher and coach rowing. And she goes, well, why don't you go do that then? So I went and did that. So I, I started applying for all the coaching jobs that I could find. Um, I ended up as the novice girls coach at Edgewater High School in Orlando. Yes. The, about two weeks into the season starting, I got a phone call from one of the other coaches on staff who was also a teacher at the high school who said that one of their math teachers had just like walked out two weeks in, he was just like done and left, walked out of the classroom, never to be seen or heard from again. So they had an opening. There was a classroom that needed a teacher. And uh, at the time, because I had a marketing degree, because I had a bachelor's degree, they would allow me to teach a subject other than what I had my degree in, as long as I went and got certified in what I was teaching. Sure. Easy. Math was always a strong point for me. I got through Cal, well, got to Calc three, so I had an understanding. I could I could teach algebra. I algebra is what I had started with, and so I was a classroom teacher at uh, Edgewater High School for three years. What were those years? I should have printed my resume. Um, you need it for this interview. This is I know right. It's probably oh one to oh. 3, 0, 1, 0, 2, 0, 3. Yeah. All right. I got so married in 01. I got married in 2001. And that's also when I started coaching and also when I started teaching. So my very best friend, godfather to my children, Justin Callahan, rode at Edgewater from 2001 to 2003, transferred and went to Winter Park 
and rode at Winter Park in the senior eight in 2004. Does that name ring a bell at all? I don't think I could pick him out of a lineup, but the name does The name, good. right? Yes. So he was a big asshole back then. If he's a, he was a blonde, tan, tall, big jerk. Like he's just, a, he was a jerk back then. And, and he would appreciate me saying that, by the way. I mean, I talked to him yesterday, but he rode there. And then Matt Cascadden, another dear friend, rode at Winter Park from the Florida area, grew up in Orlando. And all these guys that I, you know, made my way up were in this little bubble that you guys had down in Orlando. There was a lot of speed coming out of that territory in the late, in the early nineties or two thousands. Like there was some, some fast dudes down there. Uh, so I love that you were there in that time period. Now you're a math teacher, novice girls coach. Is that when you catch the bug? Hey, I want to make this a career. Forget about teaching. Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> We're getting there. Carry me on. At Edgewater, I was the novice girls coach for two years. Okay. And then I was the head coach for a year for the varsity girls coach. Um, And then I switched programs. I went to ORS. Yeah, Um, that's a big one. So the whole teaching certification thing happened there was a there was a snafu with the uh with the state or the county or somebody maybe it was with me um so i ended up switching schools i went from edgewater olympia high school olympia high school was in the windermere area that high school feeds into uh oars uh, orlando area run society in windermere uh so i was the novice boys coach there um part of it was uh, going to a bigger program, going to a club program. Uh, Jeff Border, who is uh, a best bowling rep right now, but he was coaching there at the time. Um, and uh, so I was, I went that way. And mostly it was, it was kind of with the mindset of if I'm able to do something like coach as a career, then I want to be able to get as much different experience as I can. So I had coached novice girls and varsity girls at Edgewater at a relatively small scholastic program. And then I went to coach novice boys at ORS, a, a big club program. They were big back then too, not as big as they are now, but uh, they were a big club program back then. And so just, just to get different experiences and start getting things in. I think for me, when I realized that it was time to start looking at coaching as a career is when I was in the classroom and I was just trying to get through the day so that I could get to practice. It was, mm-hmm. was, it was like, okay, I'm going to go, yeah, I'm going to go teach all these. I'm going to have five classes or six classes of math, but I'm just trying to get through so that I can go coach. And so it was one of those things where it's like, if, if this is what I, if this is where I'm at, this is where my mind's going, then I probably need to see what I can do in that realm. You, you had a coaching novices is, is a challenge in itself. <laughs> Um, what did you find easier, novice girls or novice boys at that at that time? Novice girls are easier to, to teach how to row hmm. because novice boys think that if they do things hard, it makes it good. But if they don't know how to row yet and they're doing it hard, it doesn't make it good. <laughs> I, so, I love that answer. I think uh, it's always been, for me, it's always been easier to teach girls how to do something new especially if it's physical and athletic and for guys you you and I and I actually tell them now I tell all of them this at the front on the front end I've learned this is stereotypically this is how the women are going to hear what I say stereotypically this is how the men hear what I'm going to say guys I don't need you to try to hard I don't need you to try to pull hard right now let's learn how to do the thing first and then we can figure out how to go hard. That makes total sense. And it's, like that. It, it's helpful. And I think, I, and I tell them all the time, I poke fun at them a little bit age appropriately, but trying to, to get them to be more like girls because yeah. they, they, are, they are the fairer sex for a reason. I appreciate that. So this is like 2004, 2005, you're, you're really focused on coaching all day long, right? You just want to get back on the water. Where do you go next? Where, where, where does this, where does this obsession take you next? So uh, my wife's 
coach at UCF was Dennis Camrad. Mm -hmm. uh, Dennis Camrad started the rowing program at Edgewater High School. He started the program at UCF. Uh, he's got the women's lightweight eight trophy named after him at Dad Bales. Like he's been around. He, he's worked with US Rowing to develop their education on the, the first time go around. Um, so I called him and I was like, uh, coach, I'm, I want to do this for a living. How do I, you know, the way I see it in order to coach full time, you have to be a collegiate coach like that at the time. That's, that was the only gig. And, uh, and he's like, well, the problem with you, you're having, the reason you're having trouble being hired as a college coach is because you don't have college coaching experience. I will, if, if I have to have college coaching experience to be a college coach, how do I get college coaching experience? He's like, you just got to take whatever job you can get and get the experience and then go from there. And so I applied for every single collegiate coaching job I could get. Road 2K was a thing. The internet was alive by this point. Um, <laughs> Road 2K classifieds were a thing. Uh, they didn't look much different than they do now, actually. Um, and so I applied for everything, whether I was qualified for it or not. Um, head coaching jobs for division one varsity programs. Sure. Throw my resume. In. Uh, yeah. I, <laughs> I ended up at Penn state as the novice coach there. So I, at the time I had a wife and two kids. Um, I moved up to, to state college by myself over the summer. Yeah. I, I was kind enough. Uh, John Biddle was the head coach at the time at Penn state. He and his wife, Jen, were kind enough to let me live in their basement for free. Well, they didn't, they didn't require me to pay money, but it wasn't free. So I, it was, there were my duties to chop wood for the winter, uh, wash dishes after dinner, and if ever the dog needed to be taken out and one of them wasn't around, to take the dog out for a walk. Can I, can I point something out? So I'm married with three kids. Your wife must be a gosh darn saint to let you chop wood and carry water in a state about, I don't know, 1,500 miles away, right? You're about 1,400 miles away. Yeah, give it to You're as far as uncomfortable can get. That's not super convenient to get to. And you're living in some guy's basement. I mean, you're basically repeating... 22 years old all over again yeah um it, the the funny part is it was it was actually her idea her idea yeah yeah because i because it's one of those things where like i never would have because my kids at the time my my two girls at that time would have been like four and two so she's at home with them now she, she we we're fortunate enough that she was working from home like this, she, she was able way before zoom and everything else. She was working from home almost the entire time that, that she was, we were raising wow. kids at the house. She was able to stay at home with our, all of our kids. Wow. Um, and so we had that stream of income. I had the income from coaching, which wasn't much. And then I also on top of that had a full-time job because I had to be able to eat. So what was your full-time job? Uh, I started off as a title agent. You know what title insurance is? Oh, do yeah. I didn't at the time. I just found somebody. <laughs> I just found somebody who would give me a job in State College. Uh, State College is is small. It's a it's a college town. Like it's there's not a whole lot there. So I started off as in a working for a title company, and then um, that business actually got shut down because of some illegal practices. None of which I was involved in. I got, yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I got, I got laid off. They were doing some, they were doing some things on the back end apparently that was not kosher. So, um, and then I started working for an outdoor company. Uh, I was their uh, e-commerce manager uh, for a little outdoor shop in State College. And how old were you, Jamie, um, at this point? I was probably 30-ish. I was probably 30-ish. Yeah, this 06. Yeah, I was about 30, 31. So my, uh, I mean, one of the original 
founders of Finish Line uh, was at Penn State. Yeah. Dan Shank. Um, yep. So you're coaching him, I assume. Sort of. He was a senior. Well, no, you were, you were, yeah, you were with him. Yeah. He was a senior that year. He would, when I got there, he was a senior. So I knew who he was because he was in a, he was in the four, the men's four. And talk about swagger. That guy had swagger. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he and I crossed paths again. I, I do know that. And we're yeah. going to, we're going to get to that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, definitely, we're not, definitely some swag in, from Dan. Oh, so much swag. Uh, very attractive man. Very attractive man. Um, all right. So Penn State, this is so funny. This is like, I, I think so many young coaches need to hear your story because it's, it's a grind. You know, you had to have another job. You had to like make ends meet because rowing, let's face it, it's not a football. It's not baseball even. It's not some of these bigger sports where they can pay coaches a lot of money. Right. So you loved it so much that you would work 40 hours doing e-commerce for an outdoor company to coach for 25 hours and then all weekends at regattas. I mean, young, young men and women need to hear that because it's true today. Like you still need to do that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it was, it was tough. Um, I was able to, so I used all of my vacation, any vacation I had accrued, I used to go to regattas. Uh, leave, you know, I'd, I'd take Fridays off in the spring so that we could get the trailer to wherever we were going. And then I'd be back Sunday so that I could work, you know, Monday through Friday. But what that meant was in the summer when my kids had vacation, my, my wife would pack up the kids and they would drive from state college back down to Florida to visit family. And so she'd take a couple of weeks. Cause again, she's working from home. The kids are out of school. So she'd pile them up in the van and she'd drive through Virginia and down to Florida and visit family, hang out for a couple of weeks before she came back up. And so, and you're still working the e-commerce job. Cause it's not like, yeah, cause I burned all my, yeah, I'd burned all my, maybe all of my vacation. Uh, I didn't take a, an actual vacation trip with my wife and kids until after I left Penn state. Which was when, what year was that? Uh, 2011. I went from Penn state to Mercyhurst. Which is not that far away. Um, yeah, it's only about four hours. Yeah, but but it's, we did the same thing. I I went by myself. My wife stayed with three kids now, three girls now at the time. Um, but it don't was for you have four. Don't tell me the fourth kid at Mercyhurst. Do you just have three kids? No, I have a, I I have four right now. <laughs> yeah, we had two in Florida, one in State College, and one in Erie. Wow. Okay. I love Actually, it. to the, to the point where, when we got all the kids together and talked about moving to Florida, they didn't think it was a moving conversation. They thought it was, we're going to have another kid conversation. <laughs> yeah. like, no, 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 that's not, that's not what we're talking about. <laughs> all right. So at the time at Penn state, um, how many did you, did you, did you build your network of coaches? Like, were you really focused on growing the career and like learning and meeting a lot of people in the sport and the industry? Um, I did end up meeting quite a few people that are still in the industry, but I don't know that I necessarily set out to do that. Um, I would say probably the one, probably somebody that I reconnected with at Penn state was Paul Bugenhagen. Who's now great, great. So so Paul went to UF at the same time that I was at UCF. So, and Paul was dating uh, now his wife, but he was dating a woman who wrote at UCF. Mm. So I knew of him through that connection. And then he started coaching at GAR, uh, Gainesville area rowing. And then went from there. I think he went from there up to Princeton. And then when I when I reconnected with him, he was coaching at Bucknell, Bucknell's men's program. Right. Um, and so he and I kind of reconnected there because uh, Penn State and Bucknell would race at least once a once a year, maybe twice a year. Um, and so just kind of reconnect with him. Uh, he actually ended up being a very good resource, just perspective, just. Uh, I remember whenever I got the job at Mercyhurst, probably some of the best advice I got was from Paul. 
And that's when he told me, he goes, your job as as an assistant coach is to make Adrian's job as easy as possible. Like as soon as you get there, you start taking as much off of his plate as you can to make the head coach's job as easy as possible. And And I'm I'm assuming that's another, I'm assuming that's advice that you would give other assistant coaches. Absolutely. Absolutely. I try to give it to my own assistant coaches, but it sounds like I'm biased when I tell them that, but. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Um, All right. I'm interested in this transition. 2011, we're outside of sort of the, 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 the major depression that we had, right? So economy is starting to build back up again. Rowing is continually slowly growing. You went from Penn State to Mercyhurst, not a powerhouse, but you went to an assistant job, right? So you packed your family up for four hours away, which packing up is miserable. I mean, you know that. Why that job? Like, why why was that so intriguing for you to move your family? Um, It was a a full-time position at a varsity program with an established successful coach. So for me, it, it checked all the boxes. Um, I was at a point in my life where I had applied for jobs several summers in a row and hadn't really gotten much traction. And as I was looking at the, the industry and the job market, it looked like in order for me to get a full-time coaching job, I was going to have to have a master's degree because at the time I did not. And so at Penn State, I got accepted into their sports business master's program, something along those lines. Um, So I was ready to start those classes. And then uh, Adrian posted his listing for an assistant coach. Uh, And I think the biggest benefit was that it started in January. It didn't start. It wasn't a fall start. It was a spring start. And... uh, Maybe I was the only sucker who was willing to go in January, um, but I was. Um, yeah, so that's a that's a weird time, right? As a group, I've uh, I've hired people that started in the spring. It is a very weird time. Did it take you? Well, I, I'm actually more interested in the conversation you had with your family, uh, young girls, and 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 the wife. Like, was that an easy talk to have? Like, hey this job opportunity, they're give it to me. Do we want to do this? Or, or what was that conversation like with your partner? Um, so I think I, one of the benefits that I have of convincing my wife to marry me, I'm not really sure how that happened. Um, but she was an army brat. Like she moved all over the world as, as a, as a young girl. Um, and her thing was always, you know, if we get somewhere and we don't like it, we can always move. Like we can always come back to wherever we left from. Um, and I think for the girls, they were still young enough. So when we moved to state college, my oldest was just starting kindergarten. When we moved to Erie, uh, my oldest was going into fourth grade, third grade, third grade, fourth grade. So still kind of young enough to where it wasn't a huge social thing. I mean, um, and then the, the middle daughter, well, I think the middle daughter started kindergarten in Erie, and then the the youngest was in preschool. Um, and I, it was definitely more of, we talked about, now I just have to have one job instead of two jobs. And so it actually, that having one full-time coaching job allowed me now to get in the van with the wife and kids and drive to Florida. Now, it, I was also recruiting at the time, but I was able to do the trip and, and go with everybody as opposed to just hearing about it. And that's an easy sell. Yeah, that's an easy sell. So 2011, how long was your stint at Mercyhurst? I was there until August of 2016. So five and a half years, almost six years, uh, was the assistant coach for the first four and a half. And then the last year I was there was the year Adrian. So Adrian took a year sabbatical to go coach with his dad, the Russian national team. Hmm. So uh, Mike was coaching both the men and the women. Uh, he 
he had Adrian has never coached with his dad before, um, before that time. And so he took the opportunity to uh, go to Russia. Well, really they trained in Italy, but go to Russia and, uh, and train there. So he uh, left me in charge for a year with a little, little, little scary. Um, Cause every year I had been there, the women had made it to NCAAs and the men had uh, meddled at dad veils. Uh, lightweight. We only had lightweight men. Uh, well, we started, we started, we had open weight and lightweight, but the open weight team was mostly lightweights anyway. So we, while I was there, Mercyhurst transitioned to being a lightweight only men's team. Um, and since I left, they added, didn't have anything to do with me, but since I, after I left, it, they added a separate heavyweight men's program. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was, it was a little scary to be like, all right, Adrian's gone. And here I am with, uh, an assistant coach and a GA and uh, Adrian was still a resource, but he wasn't physically there. And so it was, it was a little scary, but uh, women made it to NCAAs, the men uh, meddled at dad bills and went to uh, qualified to go to IRA or yeah, qualified to go to IRAs and lightweight eight and uh, went and did our thing. So you, you talk, you said you're a little scared. Um, what were things that struck you right away the difference between being the assistant and then being the interim head coach or the head coach um if things go well as an assistant coach you can kind of share in some of that glory if things go bad as an assistant coach you can be like hey adrian things are going bad how are you gonna? How are you gonna handle that? Uh, I like or, that. Or yeah. how are we handling that? But it it you know the buck stops with the head coach, uh, for better or for worse. Um, and so, on, honestly, at the time though, like it was such a it was such a good environment, such the the athletes that were there understood why he was doing what he was doing. They had known me like I was there the whole time that all of them were there. Um, so they, they knew me and trusted me. And so there really wasn't a lot of pushback on it. Um, and we, we had a lot of good support from the administration, the athletic administration. Um, and so it, it, was, it was probably more me putting pressure on me to perform at the same level that the team had in the past whenever I wasn't the head coach. And so that was... That was tough, but it was all self-induced. So you get this job, you're the head coach. And I think this is when you go back down south, right? This is when you head to Embry-Riddle, right? At at this point. Yep. Was it that one year of being the head coach that said, you know what? I got the confidence now. I want to be the head coach somewhere. Like, did did it take that interim year to to, to figure it out? Or were you you actively thinking of like, I kind of want to be a head coach? I was, I was actively applying to, to other programs. Oh, even like during the time at Mercy before. Yeah. Even before the, the, the interim year as the head coach at Mercer's just because, and, and I was, I, I always had shared it with Adrian every year that things would come up. I'd say, Hey, Adrian, I'm looking at this. I'm looking at that. And, and which ones I was applying for because, uh, he and I had a good relationship. He and I still have a good, actually, I talked to him yesterday. He and I have a good relationship. And um, so I wanted to be upfront with him about what was going on. Um, what changed was that after my year of being an interim head coach, I got more attention. So now that that's on my resume, people, I get more phone calls back. And so it was, you know, I was at the time I was looking for either a head coach pro or a head coach at a division two program, a head coach at a division one program, or even an assistant coach at a division one program. Uh, if it fit certain criteria, like I didn't, well, it's hard to go more North of Erie, but I didn't want to go. I didn't want to stay in a cold climate, uh, wearing a survival suit in May. Oh, it's tough, man. <laughs> like my, my first year at Mercerius when we were out, I remember my first day on the water was breaking ice at Mercyhurst. Oh, come on. That sucks. That it sucks. Does, it, but for a Florida boy, that's cool for a little bit. <laughs> but then after 
four, five, six years of it, you're like, man, this is terrible. And then when you're still wearing a survival suit in May, I was definitely looking for something south. Um, so I, you know, I looked at a couple of programs. Uh, Ember Riddle was a, it was a new varsity program. They had had club rowing on campus since 1990, I think. Um, but they'd never really done too much competitively. They hadn't had much competitive success. Um, but it, to me, it looked like all the pieces were there to be, to be successful competitively. Um, and it was closer to, to home. My parents are aging. My wife's parents are aging. They're all down here in Florida. And so it made things easier around the, around the horn, really. Uh, my youngest, remember we have four, my yeah. youngest starts kindergarten here in Florida. And so when we moved down, we had, I had one that started freshman year of high school here in Florida, one that started in kindergarten. And then I had uh, one that started in seventh grade, which is awful because middle school is awful. And seventh oh. grade is the most awfulest of middle school. And then uh, we had one that started thir third grade, third grade. You got it. You got it. It is wild. I, I want to um, touch on one thing before we move to Emory Riddle. Um, you said that you were really upfront with the head coach, Adrian. Mm -hmm. Is I, I have a feeling that a lot of young coaches out there get really nervous to talk about where they want to go, right, with the head coach. Do you, do you recommend these young assistants being upfront with all the head coaches that they're with and saying, look, I really want to make this a career and I am actively looking? Like, do you get I that? Think, I think so. I, there's certainly some timing involved. Like, your first day on the new job, I wouldn't be like, hey, I'm looking to go in here next year. Like, I, no. that's too soon, too soon for that. But uh, I, when I was at Mercyhurst, the, the men's basketball coach, uh, Gary Minchell, his office was right next to our office, the rowing. Like Adrian and I shared an office in rowing. There was one office for two coaches. But the men's basketball coach was right around the corner. And he always said that he, the only thing he could do for an assistant coach is help get them more money and help them find their next position. Hmm. And so, and I, that, that kind of rang true with me because I'm like, all right, well, uh, it'd be great to say I'm, you know, ride or die here at this program for the rest of my life, but things change. And for me, from a personal standpoint, I am someone who I want to see progress. I want to see progress in my athletes. I want to see progress in my children. I want to see progress in me and part of our industry is set up so that you, th there is a progression. Like you can see a progression out. Everybody's progression might look different, but for me, that next step was when I was coaching novices, high school novices, I was like, all right, well, let me, you know, I've had some success here. Let me see if I can coach varsity high school kids and have some success. I had some success there. Let's try the college thing. I had some success there. All right, well, I had success at the club level, but there's this whole other thing. Let's try a varsity program. Had some success at Mercerist. Okay, let me let me see. Is it is it me? Is it Adrian? Is it a combination of me and Adrian? Is it the kids? Is it Mercyhurst? Is it Ember Riddle? Is it Florida? Who knows? So for me, and that's that's why I'm here at Stetson too, because I've had success at Ember Riddle. I want to see there's this whole other division, right? Ember Riddle is division two. Stetson's division one. I want, I want to see what I can do. I like that. Um, so I want to, I want to not to put down Embry Riddle. I want to kind of breeze over that a little bit. You get that job in 2017, right? Move your whole family down. You hit that for about three and a half years, right? You guys five. like five years you're on the East coast. Yeah. 2016. And then this job from Stetson comes on, right? So you, you, you're building Embry Riddle, um, People know of the program, right? It's like a, it's, it's, it's also an aeronautical school. So it's, it has its own merit. Right. Um, but then like Stetson. So when I was in high school, the only club that we knew down in Florida was Jacksonville rowing. And there were a bunch of guys from South Jersey that just really loved Jacksonville. A ton of guys went down there to row, but you, you pull most rowers out there. They never even heard of Stetson. So first question for you, why Stetson? Like, why, why did you want to, and, and I don't want to hear like, okay, it's back in the middle of the middle of the state. I know your family is close to there, but like, why would you want to go to Stetson? 
So while I was at Embry-Riddle, because so Embry-Riddle and Stetson are geographically pretty close. They're 45 minutes apart from each other. Okay. Uh, when I when I to the point where when I took the job at Stetson, I didn't move. I didn't I didn't have to move my family. Oh, cool. So for me, so last summer, if anybody wanted to get into collegiate coaching, last summer was the summer to do it because everybody was hiring. Everybody was hiring. Yeah. Um, and some some opportunities came up, but I wasn't willing to move my kids again. I've got one that's in that's a freshman in college. I've got one who's a junior in high school, one who's in eighth grade, and one who's in fifth grade. And I wasn't willing to move anybody again right now. And frankly, everything at Embry Riddle was going well. Uh, in five years, my first year there, there wasn't there was a club team, but there wasn't a varsity team. But I got into NCAA. We, we got to NCAA's in four years, hmm. and um, it was it was a weird four years because of COVID, but we we did it. And during that time, we raced Stetson often, and uh, I would sit in the coach boat with Katie or with Stephen or with Ethan, the previous coaching staff that was here, and we would just chit chat and we'd talk about things. And uh, one of the really great things that was going on at Stetson at the time was the boathouse that I'm sitting in right now was being constructed. And I, I remember telling the coaching staff, I hope that that boathouse helps you guys bring in better athletes so that I can turn around and sell that to my administration. Mm -hmm. Hey, look, look, look what a boathouse can do. Um, but for me, it, it, it does go back to, I want to see progress. Uh, I was, I was, I was able to build something in Embry-Riddle that was successful. We, we finished my last spring there. We finished second at the conference championship. We qualified for NCAAs in, like I said, in four years of being there. Uh, those, those women just won their conference championship last Friday, which was, which was awesome. And Dan, we talked about Dan earlier. I yeah. hired him as an assistant coach at Riddle. He was they were smart enough to make him the head coach when I left and he was able to lead them to a conference championship last weekend to give, um, to give Dan some props here so him and I coached together I've known him almost my whole life and he coached with, with me Bishop O'Connell um he saw that I got myself in a pickle and he's like all right I'll help you out and he turned those girls uh nationally ranked scholastic team I mean he he, yeah. he, he knows how to um I think one thing that he knows how to do is like build a culture around an idea, around a concept, right? And he'll tell you, he might not be the best technical coach, but you definitely got a guy there that like knows how to build a culture. Yeah. Um, and, and you guys were already finding success. So it's pretty easy for him to carry that over, right? To just yeah, say, it was, awesome. going. it was awesome here. And so looking at Stetson, um, I, uh, Steven, who was the outgoing assistant coach, when when he he knew he was leaving early, relatively early in the last spring, and because he decided that he was going to switch his focus from coaching to counseling, which is mostly what he did as a coach anyway, was counseling, um, and finish up his master's degree, be a stay-at-home dad. So he reached out to me and was like, "Hey, I'm leaving. Maybe you should look at taking my position at Stetson," and. Um, that puts you in line for if and when Katie, the head coach leaves, you could be set up to be the head coach here. And I was like, mm, okay, interesting, interesting thought, but I'm, I'm not really, I'm not really into that right now. But then I kind of sat on it for a while. And then about a month later, he reached out to me again and said, okay, so Katie has decided that she's leaving. You should look at this job. Um, so he reached out to me. Um, Jeff Border reached out to me. Yep. Um, even people who I worked with at Embry-Riddle who were also connected to Stetson said, hey, do you hear about what's going on over on the other side of Volusia County? Maybe you should take a look. And so it was one of these things where it's like, if everybody's telling you you should take a look, right? maybe you should take a look. And so um, I submitted my resume cover letter, did the whole application process. Uh, they brought me on campus for an interview. Um, eventually they offered me the position. 
Um, and I, I was kind of on the fence. Like it was a, it was a very hard decision because part of it was because of the timing, like I applied in August. Yeah. Here. Yeah. But I didn't get hired until October because it was just a long, it was a long process. Yeah, I was, I, I'm, I'm like, I'm listening. I'm trying to actually think of the timing on this yeah. one because I remember talking to Dan about it and like, you're, you're moving around. So you did what you did before you're moving in the middle of a, of a season, right? Like, yeah. you know, coming yeah. in October, November, that's a, that's an uphill battle for someone. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was a very tough decision. Um, I ultimately what it came down to was I believe just, just like whenever I went to Embry-Riddle, I went to Embry-Riddle because I felt like the things were there to be competitive. The things were already in place or could be in place in order to make a competitive team there. Same thing as Stetson. I think all the pieces are here in order to have a competitive, two competitive programs, competitive women's team and a competitive men's team. Um, and I went into what all, every program has challenges at every every university every rowing program in the country has their own challenges um and i felt like i was coming into this program with my eyes wide open in terms of i the entire coaching staff was gone but i knew why like i knew them and i knew why they had all left and so if if i had been more removed from the program and i i probably wouldn't have even applied it if this were an extra hour away and I didn't have uh, access to the knowledge of why and when Katie left, why and when Ethan left, why and when Steven left, I probably would have been like, uh, something's going on there and I don't want to be the one to find out. Um, but, but I had enough intel to feel comfortable to, to make the plunge. And it was one of those things where, because I, because I wasn't willing to move my family again, it was, I could, I could either take the position now or whenever the next person leaves, if that person leaves, then it becomes available again because I'm not willing to move. And UCF is sort of close. Uh, like Brad, their boatman lives in the same city I live in, no. but I, I wasn't, I wanna be close enough to my children so that when they need to get picked up from school or need to go to a baseball game or a volleyball game or a basketball game or whatever, I can help get them there still. I love this. Uh, I love this progression of your career, right? Um, because now you're running both sides. Like you got men and women. You you have that experience on the on the novice level on the junior side, right? You know, boys and girls, and then and then jumping around and trying all the D two level and the club level rowing leads you to this. Um, you got a great boathouse. I've been to it. It's stunning. You got a place for colleges to come in and train. You have perfectly flat water, which we laughed at. That's not always a good thing. Right? Always a good thing. You got you got top of the line equipment. You got everything you need. So what do you got cooking down there? Because I'm I'm on Instagram a lot. I'm on social media. I'm seeing speed. I talked to Andrew a lot, and I know you guys got some 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 boat speed there. What do you got cooking down at Stetson? So um, the team that I came into was already in a pretty good place. So the women's team had some good success last spring, uh, as did the men. And so part of that is like, when I got here, I told everybody, I'm not really gonna do a whole lot at first. I just wanna kind of get a feel for what's happening. Um, there, was some, there, were, there was some fallout, like it's a smaller team now, it was when I got here, uh, they, they had, a month, month and a half where Andrew as the assistant coach was the only coach on staff. And it was just about, I told him, I was like, as long as nobody dies, you did your job. Like literally dies, you did your job. You're just keeping everybody safe. We're just gonna, we're gonna row as much as we can, but we're just gonna keep everybody safe. Um, but the, the, the men and the women that are here want it bad. And you can't, you can't teach that. Um, there we're doing some things differently than they've done in the past. And I think it's always hard when they, when people do things one way and they find some success doing it that way, it's harder for them 
to say, oh yeah, let's try something different. Um, it's, it's really easy if you're doing it one way and it's not working to say, okay, yeah, dude, we definitely need to try something different. Um, but, and so I've tried to blend myself into what they were already doing. And then getting here, getting to know Andrew better, being able to hire AC in in the spring now that we have a full coaching staff, because all three of us work with both the men and the women, we rotate through. And uh, I think this was right now, the men have dad bales and IRAs left. The women have their Mac conference championship and potentially NCAAs left. Um, the women have seen results all spring that they have never seen before. We've got, we've got kids who are PRing on erg tests that haven't PR'd in three years. Um, we've got scrimmage results and race results that they've never seen before, which is fantastic, but it doesn't mean that the conference championships are gimme because this year, the conference champ, the conference seems to be much tighter in speed than it ever has. So I, I think it's going to be a really good weekend of racing, uh, on the 15th, I guess the day of racing on the 15th, uh, the guys, we, there was a, there was a time, I think we went over a month without being able to put an eight on the water just because we didn't have enough guys who were healthy and ready to go all at the same time. Um, and then at, we, we raced Sierra last weekend and we had an eight and a four on the water and both boats won the petites, not where we would have liked to have been, but where we were, but that's where we are. And, um, and I think we have yet to have all of the guys healthy and ready to go at the same time. And it's a combination of academic things and health things and intramural sports. Don't do intramural sports. If you if you're if you're a collegiate athlete, just stick to your sport. Don't do intramural sports. <laughs> you want to do something intramural, do like chess. Join the chess club. Chess is awesome. <laughs> Stay away from the contact intramural sports, please. Just is awesome. All right. So <laughs> one thing I like about what you got in your staff, Andrew rode for Stetson. Yep. And there seems to be a reoccurring theme here that alumni really love their school, right? Like they really, really appreciate it. Um, I'd imagine, because you said that you had a call with your alumni, that you're getting a lot of that support on the alumni side, which is so important to grow a program. Like, there's a reason why Harvard, Yale, Princeton, Cal, Washington, and all these are so, so successful. It's the guys and women below them that already raced that support them. Right. Are you finding that at Stenson that you're getting a lot of that uh, alumni support? Uh, Alex, I bought a truck. I'm sorry. The team bought a truck last month from funds that were donated by the parent of an alum. Hell yeah. So, <laughs> yes, there is, there is really good support here. Um, which to me, it, it's kind of crazy because like the club team started in, in 88 for me as an old guy, that's not really that long ago, right? No. We're talking about collegiate rowing in the United States. That's been around for over hundred years, 1988 is not that long ago, but Stetson, Stetson rowing alum are just, they're, they're really generous with not just with their money, but also with their time. Like we christened a couple of boats at a race here in March and the boathouse was packed and the kids, the, the current athletes had never seen the kind of, the kind of support, the physical support. We had a cheer, the, the school mascot was here. They've never even seen the team mascot. What at, is the team mascot? It's John B. Stetson. It's a, it's a, it's a cartoonized, cartoonized, characterized, cowboy with a giant hat on because we're the hatters of course that is, that is awesome yeah i mean he's, he's a cowboy basically because john b stetson invented the cowboy hat that's Wait, why we're the hatters man i i this is one of my favorite <laughs> damn podcast interviews this guy invented the cowboy hat yes yes do you own one? Do you wear one at, at, at races? Please tell me. Yeah, he's got one. You got one. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> yes. 
It fits perfect, by the way. I know it doesn't actually. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's funny. You have my father-in-law. You have a big my head. father. My father-in-law gave that to me. It's it's a really? it's an authentic Stetson. When I got the job, he has two of them. They both came from his dad, and uh, yeah, it's just too small for my big head. So I keep it in the office because it is an authentic Stetson hat, but uh, I don't wear it much. I mean, that is awesome. So I mean, talk about talk about the world, the universe speaking to you, coming together, right? Florida boy, born and raised. You travel, you experience some things. Your wife sure as hell gives you a long leash to be able to go and move places and travel. And now here you are, what seems to be home, right? It's it's fair to say that you found home at Stetson. You want to build this career. You want to build this rowing program. You have all the tools you need. I mean, coach, come on. The future is bright for you, man. Yeah, I think... Um... I definitely think the pieces are here to make something really fantastic. Um, I think the the women's team has the potential to be dominant in our conference and go to NCAAs on a regular basis. Now, I say that knowing full well that Mike Lane at Jacksonville, who's a friend of mine, is a tremendous coach and he's probably going to throw all this back in my face <laughs> after saying it. Um, but uh, I, I do think the pieces are here um, on the on the and, and on the men's side. It's a different environment on the men's side, right? We're not just racing the schools in our conference. We're racing everybody on the men's side. And I the same thing. Like I, I, the men's team by design at Stetson is small, and so we well we're we're constrained. You know we've got. We, Stetson has a football team. And so the athletic administration would like for the women's team to be as big as we want it to be. And for the men's team to be about half the size of the women's team. So if we're carrying 60 women, we can have 30 men. Give so the, men the men benefit a lot like UVA, right? They benefit from the great boathouse, the great equipment, because the NCAA women's side is able to fund that. So I, I, as a, I wrote a GW, we didn't have that. Like we, we weren't able to take advantage of, of that kind of opportunity. Um, is that fair to say that the men do get to benefit from that, from the funding on the, on the women's side? Yeah, absolutely. It's actually funded on both sides. So men's rowing is an intercollegiate sport here. I've got athletic scholarships for the men. Like they're, they're not treated any differently. It's just as much the men's houses as the women's house. Is, this is division one. Is this division Correct. one? Correct. So then who's in your conference? Who are you racing? Like who you, who do you, who are you trying to be aside from Mike Lane? Who are you trying to be? <laughs> Does anybody want to be anybody? Like everybody wants to beat Mike Lane, right? Everybody wants to beat JU. Um, <laughs> so on the women's side, we're in the Mac conference. So that's uh, Stetson, JU. We're the only two schools in Florida. And then you've got Drake, Canisius, uh, Sacred Heart, uh, Marist. Uh, there's like eight of them. I think there's more than eight of them. Uh, this is how, just shows you how long I've been in the conference. I can't even name them. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's M-A-A-C. There's two Macs. We're the double A Mac. Um, and then, uh, and so, so because we have teams who will come to Stetson to train, we're able to see a lot of these teams locally. Uh, so we don't have to travel to, to race them. So we got to race Drake and we got to race Sacred Heart. Um, so yeah, it was, it's, it's been good. Now on, but the other, like the other Florida teams that are, are, I mean, look, Adam Thorstead coached me yep. at Marietta for one year. Yep. That guy's finding a lot of success over there. Division two, you got Dan over at Emory Riddle. I mean, it seems like you guys are building a nice little club here down there of some fast programs. Yeah, I think um, between JU, FIT, Ember Riddle now, uh, Stetson, you got Miami and UCF on the on the women's side. Um, I I definitely think like the nice thing about being in Florida is every race you go to is going to be competitive. There are no easy races down here, which is good because it it gets the kids ready for the grind. Um, yeah. But yeah, I I think. We, we raced on the women's side, we raced JU a lot because they're close and because they're in our conference. 
Um, I think we saw each other. I think by the end of the spring, we will have seen each other four or five times. Um, who's, who's, who's taken the, the victories on this one? I got to give uh, JU. JU has won more than we have, but we have also won. So <laughs> Hell yeah. it, it's been back and forth, but it's been more, it's been more forth than it's been back <laughs> to be fair. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, Mike's got some fast women there right now and uh, he's a good coach and to be able to beat JU is, is something I'll give him props for that. And, sure. and same, and honestly, same on the men's side, Preston's got the guys going fast right now and, oh, yeah. uh, and they've been, that's who we've been chasing. I mean, we were we were able to squeak out a, a win against FIT earlier earlier in the spring, but then at Sierra they had our number and they beat us. And so it's it to me though that's the fun of racing. Like if you already know what the result's going to be, then why race? Yeah, you're going to go out and race and see what happens, and that's that's the fun part. I love racing. I fell on this sport racing my very first race as a novice, clashing oars with Boone High School. And then crossing the finish line and having to hold water immediately because if you didn't, you were going to run into shore because it was a very short course. Yeah, that, that's what that's what I fell in love with about running was the racing part. So that's what I want to do all the time. I want to race. What a way to end a wonderful podcast interview. We learned so much about <laughs> Jamie Francis here from his time in middle of Florida as a junior, being cut from soccer not doing really well in volleyball to now running the head coach at Stetson. If you want to learn more about him and the program, there's links everywhere. Get in touch with them. It sounds like that's a good place to row. It sounds like a great place to row. Uh, Jamie, thanks for doing this. Thanks, Alex. I appreciate it. Everyone tuning in, this was number 95 of the uh, list of podcasts. More from us next week. Go Hatters. Go Hatters.